Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health here in Toronto. Cutting-edge, state-of-the-art, compassionate facility. Right now, it is Mental Health Awareness Week. This is the time when they need you most. This is the time when you can make a real difference when it comes to doing something about the mental health crisis and the devastating opioid epidemic, the overdose epidemic that we're currently experiencing, losing 20 people every day. They need your help. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help CAMH treat addiction and build hope. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress that is trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. It's a great mattress at a very reasonable price point. Comes with a 20-year warranty and a great deal for our listeners. Douglas is giving you a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. That is douglas.ca slash CanadaLand. This episode of CanadaLand Shortcuts is brought to you by Squarespace. Showcase your work, blog, publish content, even sell products and services of all kinds in just a few clicks. Head to squarespace.com slash CanadaLand for a free trial. And when you are ready to launch your website, use the offer code CanadaLand and save 10% off of your first purchase of a website or domain. This episode is also brought to you by Sonos. I have a couple of these Sonos One speakers in my home. I speak to the speakers and they do things. They can play music or podcasts. They can turn on lights. They can adjust temperatures. It's kind of neat. And you can get as many of these things as you want, up to $2,500 worth and get a 10% discount when you go to Sonos.com and use the promo code CANADA10. And that offer is available for a limited time only and cannot be combined with any other discounts or promotions. That's Sonos.com, promo code CANADA10. Jan Wong. Hi. Journalist, journalism professor, author. Oh. Welcome back. Thank you very much. Jan, today we are going to talk about the emergency alert smartphone alarm system, mild inconvenience in order to save lives or vulgar display of totalitarian state power. (laughs) We are going to talk about Stephen Harper. It turns out he has been lurking. We are going to talk about Doug Ford's standards. He says that he has some. (laughs) We're going to talk about Christine Moore's love life, God help us. And we are not going to talk about the Canadian media's coverage of the mass killings in Gaza because I am dedicating Monday's entire episode to that topic. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me here. This episode of Canada Land Shortcuts is brought to you by Adrian Baker, Pamela Taylor Bailey, 
Marnie Erickson, Mark Gold, Susan Johnston, Laura Godfrey, Mallory Harrigan, and Georgia Weber. I support Canada Land because Canada, however you define it, culturally, politically, legislatively, has a distinct identity that only gets eclipsed if we let it. So making Canada-specific content is crucial for us to be able to recognize ourselves, to be responsible and accountable for ourselves, and to celebrate ourselves. And as mentioned, this episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Jen Wong, you have students, they publish incredible works of journalism that you guide them through, and then sometimes those works of journalism disappear from the internet. Oh, yeah, not not by accident. Somebody wants them gone. If only they had their own website. Ah. See what I did there? If oh, they yeah. had a Squarespace website, then uh, school censorship would not be able to find them. But would I be able to work it? Because I'm really bad at this stuff. Oh, well, Jen, Even, it's, even it's, I could work this? It's the simplest possible way to make okay. a website. These okay. are they, What they do is they get beautiful websites that are made by designers, and then you just sort of like take, you just put in your own information. You okay. swap out their stuff, put in your oh, own. Okay, and I get a 10% off, right? And you get 10% off. <laughs> Thank you for participating. Um, 10% off of a purchase of a website or domain at squarespace.com slash CanadaLand with the offer code CanadaLand. And uh, it's customizable. It works on all devices. And there's nothing to install, patch, or upgrade ever. And they have award-winning customer support. So check it out at squarespace.com slash CanadaLand. So, Jen, that is the sound my phone made when it sort of took an angry shit. <laughs> uh, at the same time that everybody else around yeah, me. Yeah, me too. Uh, everyone's thing. phone just, and, yeah. and it wasn't like, it felt like a mechanical sound. Like, it didn't feel like a sound that was like a sound file being played by my phone speakers. It felt like my phone was doing something it had never done before and exerting gears and, and mechanisms that, that I was unfamiliar with. And it was very jarring. It was It was very scary. And very intrusive, and I think we need one to tell us Stephen Harper's back. But we'll we'll talk about that later. But yeah, you're right. Um, it was awful. What sort of monster would complain about the mild annoyance of a phone making a, an irritating sound when it was in service of finding a missing eight-year-old boy in Thunder Bay, Ontario, who was found? What sort of human being would take the time? Someone like me. Yeah. Because it's not just that you're an awful human being. It's that you're destroying the whole purpose of the Amber Alert. If you're sending it out to people in Toronto when some kid is missing in Thunder Bay, what what am I going to do? I did look out my window. I did not see the kid. So I'm going, and then I got it three more times. I got it in French and English, and I was like, okay, we found him. It's like, really? That How about sending one. me a text? Yeah, the same sound. We found him. We found him. <laughs> Emergency over with the same urgency. You're as. Right. Um, and I think you make the best point, and this is a point that was widely made, is that if you're going to use this to alert the entire province to every missing child, then by the third time you use it, people are going to stop paying attention. Yeah. I think that's a very good point. The other good point being made, of course, was that, like, look, like Manhattan is closer to me than Thunder Bay. Um, oh, are you sure? I don't know. <laughs> oh, but it sounds good. It sounds good. I guess I guess there is something I could I could use to check if that's actually true. But, <laughs> but somebody, it feel it feels farther. Um. So the the other good point being made being that geographically this was pretty indiscriminate and yeah. and it's one thing to to alert everybody in Thunder Bay, um, mm -hmm. but to tell people in Toronto that you know the police had a response to that. They said, "Well, we can't actually target people by, based on where they are." We target you based on where your phone is registered. And if you're from Toronto and you're in Thunder Bay, then we want you to get that message. And so what? If some, That's ridiculous. Some idiots in Toronto are irritated by this. We found the kid. If it was my kid, I would want them to use it. You know? Why? Really? Uh, sure. If my because kid was missing. Then if it's used 
for your kid, then the next kid that's missing, no one's even going to pay attention. They're going to lunge for their phone. By the way, if you turn off the bell, do you know if you still get this loud thing? Unclear. Some people hmm. in the office said that they had their phones on sleep and it just vibrated. There were many people on social media saying, I had my phone like volume off, sleep setting. I work night shifts and my phone took an angry shit and woke me up. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a problem. And like I, I, I think that's it too, is that I don't even think, I think it, it varies phone to phone, what sound it makes or whether it overrides your settings or not. I feel like, and then some people mm-hmm. got the message hours late, you know? Yeah. Uh, so the whole thing I think was technically fraught. I think it's not working yet. And I think they should stop it right now until they can refine it and send it out to people who are in the area. And there is technology so that they can figure out who's nearby. Like I have a Toronto 416 cell phone, but I spend half the year in Fredericton. So am I going to be getting Amber Alerts for kids in Toronto when I'm in Fredericton, which is frankly farther away from Toronto than New York City? Yeah. So it's it's not refined yet. And we're going to get people ignoring it if they do this. Yeah, there is almost like uh, some people are saying like, look, this is like traumatizing, like everybody's phone doing this at the same time. And lots of legitimate arguments about about people being interrupted from what, what if you're driving and you're interrupted, like it could cause accidents. None of this was my concern with it. I have the pettiest of concerns with it. As a media publisher who's in competition with other media publishers to get people's attention, I felt like they were showing off. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, I remember as a kid when the, you know, we interrupt this broadcast for the the emergency alert system. And it was almost like playing a trump card of like, you might think that, you know, I don't know, Bill Cosby is really important. Bad example these days. But at the time it was like, we're going to trump Bill Cosby. We can interrupt Bill Cosby. We can interrupt Knowlton Nash. We are the state and we are playing an emergency broadcast symbol. And it was just kind of this reminder of who's really in control. But even in that paradigm, you had to be watching TV to be affected by it. And you could just turn the TV off. The phone is more intimate than... It's right on you. Yeah. It's right on you. That's what really struck me was just like, this is a whole new thing where the state can just kind of like stick its its finger in my ear and my eye. But the thing is, Amber Alert, I mean, I really am sympathetic, but I don't think that's the right use of this. I think it's for chemical weapons have been dispersed in downtown Toronto or a tornado is going to pass through in five minutes or there's a tsunami warning. Nuclear war. Yes, nuclear war. It should be reserved for that. I'm sorry, not Amber Alerts. That can go on the CBC or the Globe and Mail or something where you're going to get a text alert. You're going to be alerted. It's not the kind of thing you should stop people's day and interrupt, especially if you're not in Thunder Bay. But you know what I mean? I think it's Mm -hmm. when you're in trouble and you need to evacuate and you need to pay attention. That's when we should use these emergency alerts. Emergencies like the one they had in Hawaii. Absolutely. Except there wasn't one. Oh, that one. Oh, no, but they have the real problem now with the volcano. Now they right. Have, that's right. Yeah. But there was like a threat of an imminent uh, right, right, Armageddon right, right. and no, I know, that somebody was kind of terrible. hit the wrong button. Yeah. And that's what's going to happen with the Amber Alert because four alerts for a kid. And we don't even know, okay, he was found. Was that because he was never really missing? Was this a false alarm? We don't even know. Yeah. But the problem with alarms and people's adrenaline rushing is after a while you get used to it and you just ignore it. Yeah. And we don't want people to ignore this. It's a really good tool, but don't misuse it. Mr. Harper is a a private citizen and has allowed uh, his uh, 
own opinions. Already the Iran deal has stirred controversy in Canada with the former Prime Minister Stephen Harper signing a full-page ad in the New York Times praising Trump's controversial move to pull out of that deal, a position clearly at odds with the current Liberal government. So these comments were from February. They came to light in the Globe and Mail today, and that's why we're talking to them. But, but we're also talking about it because lately we've heard from Mr. Harper on Iran. We've heard from him today on Jerusalem. He seems to be weighing in a little bit more publicly on, on big things that are happening. Guess who's back? Uh-oh. Amber alert. <laughs> <laughs> Just read some headlines here. It seems that when Stephen Harper wants attention, he gets it. Guess who's back? Liberals, conservatives alike embrace Harper's return. Times colonist. Stephen Harper says he could still easily be conservative leader. Globe and Mail. Canada not immune to populism and polarization, Stephen Harper says. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen Harper is back in the limelight, and both conservatives and liberals are pleased. I would classify these as a fairly favorable coverage. Oh, you think so? Yeah. I think it's kind of weird. He's gone so far to the right. I, you think it's favorable? It's confusing, right? Like, okay, so look at this Globe and Mail coverage, because even when it's negative, it's positive. Stephen Harper says he could still easily be conservative leader. Another story. On Israel, Trudeau is Harper's pupil, column by Conrad Yakubuski. And here's one. Stephen Harper finally lets his sharp conservatism fly by Andrew Cohen. Finally! <laughs> finally, Stephen Harper's letting that sharp conservatism fly. Here's what's interesting about that piece by Andrew Cohen. It is actually a Harper diss. I know, but, I read it. But you wouldn't know yeah. it. I mean, you're reading like the language, like the way it's presented, the editorial packaging. Right. He's finally letting his sharp conservatism fly. Stephen Harper has a new voice abroad. What new voice for Stephen Harper? This is Harper Unbound. He's free to be himself again to a constituency that likes him. He embraces an uncompromising moral clarity. Moral like clarity. you have to really read into it until you get to the part where it says that he got nothing done at the, the very end of Andrew Cohen's column. Yes. He talks about how Harper got nothing done, no pipelines, no abolition of Senate, no electoral reform. And we've got back our long form census. Scientists are now allowed to talk again to the media and no one's attacking Supreme Court justices. Yeah. And I don't even know if that scientist one is true, but he basically says that his legacy has been completely destroyed and calls out Harper for endorsing uh, Hungary's Prime Minister Viktor Orban, who ran on this anti-Semitic campaign, calling it appalling. So, like, you know, I always find that when the image and the headline are telling you one thing and the copy tells you something different, that's where the editorial position of a newspaper mm -hmm. asserts itself, where the mm -hmm. editors tell you who they like. I almost yeah. feel like Stephen Harper is like, like Alfred E. Newman is to Mad Magazine as Stephen Harper is to Globe and Mail. <laughs> you know, like he could be the yeah. mascot. He so never be... read just the headlines. I guess that's the moral of the story. But it's interesting. He's such an incredible shrinking man. Like I haven't thought about him in several years. And, and suddenly you're right. He's all over the place. And, but he's not really, because if you look at it closely, he spoke at Stanford. Stanford in February. Yeah. And we so don't notice him that we didn't find out until like a few days ago. I thought that was weird too. Isn't like, that weird? What happened that it feels well, very we don't purposeful. Care about like him. there's a like he's, this was a PR campaign of and he's got a book coming out. That's it. That's what's happening. Yeah, that's it. You know, authors. <laughs> I think it's the book coming out, and I but I also think that uh male politicians especially don't like to be the incredible shrinking man. Yeah. They don't like to disappear. And so he he went off after he lost and he said, okay, you know, the party can, I'm not going to lead the, now he's saying, oh, I could lead the party. I, I could do this. And it's like, oh, shut up. He's already left. But I think he really misses it. I mean, 
you know, to psychoanalyze the inscrutable Stephen <laughs> Harper is maybe beyond my capacity. I guess I'm curious about, like, if you actually look at what is getting him the press, he's cheerleading for this, like, fascist thug in Hungary. Mm-hmm. He is applauding Trump pulling out of the Iran deal, which I think is a fairly, like, radical position that is possibly pushing the world towards horrible. Well, no other Western leader is saying that. I yeah. Mean, it's very weird that Harper would say something like this. He's taking this to the extent that he's coming up in the Israel conversation at the moment where, I, you know, it seems the press is finally beca- finding its courage to decry Israel's behavior. Harper is sticking to his guns and he and he is more to the right than he was in power. And yet the coverage is, I think, pretty celebratory. Of like, and I feel like there's almost like a cycle of like, now that we're all coming to a consensus that Justin Trudeau is very silly, dad, dad is back. <laughs> well, I wouldn't put too much emphasis on several columnists who are right about Harper. I, I think that generally speaking, well, I don't know, but I just feel personally like, really, you're still there and I don't want to hear from you anymore. Yeah. You're done. I think that that's accurate. I think that it tells you more about the sensibilities of, of where, you know, I'll focus this on the globe. I know you don't yeah. want me to bash the globe. That's not your, you know. Oh, of course not. Because <laughs> um, it, it's shared elsewhere, too. It, it seems like everyone's yeah. like, like, oh, Stephen Harper. I think they need something to that. write about. Maybe it's, yeah. you know, they're tired of writing about Trump and finally we have something to write about because, you know, Trudeau was kind of hard to write about. He does, he, you know, he did a lot of things that people liked and then he, he did the silly things in India and that's kind of been a while. So you need something new, I guess. I don't know why. Yeah. These things have, a, I guess, their own internal logic. And- but I think politicians really miss the limelight. Like he didn't want to talk to any reporters. I just wonder how many reporters actually called him in the last six months. Yeah. That's another interesting aspect of this is how much press he's getting without actually making himself terribly available. Um, Well, it's just being coy. Yeah. I mean, any journalist worth their salt, you know, when somebody goes back on the book tour, that's your chance to ask Mm -hmm. them the questions that they were Mm -hmm. never available for before. You want you want the attention? Okay. Okay, here we go. You know, and I, you know, I. Uh, Are you going to interview him? I put out the word. I said, hey, if he wants press, I would. Yeah. I'd be very happy to have yeah, him on the show. That'd be great. And other people said that'd be great, but that's never going to happen. Yeah, it's never going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health. Right now, there is an opioid crisis. Right now, there is a mental health crisis. But right now, it is Mental Health Week. And what that means is you can do something about these crises. You can help people. You can help CAMH save lives. They offer treatment with dignity, and they are doing cutting-edge research. I don't know if anybody listening to this is untouched by this crisis. You can see it in the downtown of every city in this country. You certainly feel it in Toronto. This is not something happening to other people. These are our friends. These are our communities, our families. We are all touched by addiction. We are all touched by the mental health crisis, and we all share responsibility to do something about it. Helping CAMH is something you can do about it. Help change mental health care forever. Your support will help CAMH build a future where nobody is left behind. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help them treat addiction and build hope. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Uh, It's amazing the things that we tell ourselves to talk ourselves out of getting help. Anybody who's actually gotten help knows that the process of getting things off your chest, of taking your stressors, your problems, and just like not letting them be bottled up, working through just conveying them to somebody, half of the battle is just doing that. You unburden yourself. And you know what? If you have a real mental health professional, no, they don't have 
magic bullets or magic words that make it all go away. But often they can help you see things a little bit differently and guide you to strategies or tools or to a new perspective that actually does help. As the largest online therapy provider in the world, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Because you listen to this podcast, you get 10% off of your first month at BetterHelp.com slash CanadaLand. That's BetterHelp.com slash CanadaLand. Jen, I want to thank our second sponsor today, and that is FreshBooks, the founding sponsor of this program. And this is a Canadian company that over 10 million freelancers, small businesses use to do their, their billing, but also as FreshBooks grows in its capabilities and firepower, it just becomes mission control for the economics of small operations, the accounting department, for those of us who can't afford accountants. It's really, really easy to use. It's really simple to see what money is coming in, what money is going out. It's easy to track your expenses, track your time, provide estimates and quotes. It saves you tons of time. Check it out. Try it out for free if you have not tried it before. Go to freshbooks.com slash CanadaLand and enter CanadaLand in the How Did You Hear About Us section. You're going to get a 30-day free trial. You don't need a credit card. You can just try out all of the features and see if you like using FreshBooks. Again, that is freshbooks.com slash CanadaLand and tell them that CanadaLand sent you. Jen, can we duly note some stuff? Okay. Do you want to go first? Can I talk about the royal wedding? You can talk about the royal wedding. <laughs> yes. You don't look happy. You know what? We need more. Like, I don't even know if I've mentioned it once. So. I, I'm, I'm sure you didn't, which is why I wanted it duly noted. Please proceed. Well, I think it's great that Meghan Markle's marrying Prince Harry. <laughs> and I started watching Suits as a result, also because one of my grads is acting in it. But I started watching it. I'm totally hooked on Suits. I think it's great. And all this stuff about her dad coming to walk her down the aisle, not coming to walk her down the aisle. It's kind of really totally fascinating. I can't, I can't look away. I keep waiting for the twist in this. That, oh, the that you twist. Have, uh, you have an expose, a revelation. No, I, I'm just, I just love it. You're just looking forward to it. Yeah. I'm going to get up at six o'clock on Saturday morning and uh, live stream it. I know. I shouldn't do that, but I love it. I have nothing to say about this. <laughs> oh, no. This must be the first time ever on Canada Land. I just, I have nothing. Okay. Let me interview you then. If you were Meghan Markle's dad. Yeah. And you felt all the pressure from the paparazzi, what would you have done? Would I have sold access for $130,000? That's Stormy Daniels. No, didn't he get paid 130? <laughs> I see now I'm revealing that I actually know something about this. <laughs> I thought it was 100. Ah, we got to get yeah, fact Stormy check Daniels on this. Yeah, Stormy Daniels 130. <laughs> um, what would I have done if I was Meghan Markle's dad? I, I And I was feeling pressure from the paparazzi. Like, what would, would I have allowed them to photograph me or would I have yeah. taken their money is the question? Yeah. Or? Would you have seen it as a chance to make money or would you have just... I'd like to think that I'd be savvy enough to play the long game and realize that being Meghan Markle's father probably has uh, cash rewards that are beyond, like, just, like, I think, like, don't fuck this up. Get to the yeah. wedding. Yeah, get to the wedding. Get to the wedding. Cash in later. Just by being a big enough embarrassment, I could probably get paid. What am I saying about this poor man? I don't know anything about him. <laughs> well, I'm talking good. about myself. Knowing that I could be a huge embarrassment, there's probably a way to cash in on that. I think it's... I think all families go through crises like this in the run-up to a wedding. It's always terrible. Like, always stuff is happening. But in this case, we're getting the blow-by-blow, blow and everybody's breathlessly reporting it at the BBC. And columnists at The Guardian are opining about whether this is seemly or not. And you're getting a lot of class stuff. Okay, 
we can move on now. We don't have to move on. I want to do an episode on like celebrity journalism, celebrity like paparazzi coverage, tabloids. And and I, I don't I won't pretend that I don't look at that stuff. I, the Royals never grabbed me, but it's a huge part of the media that we've never discussed on this show. Yeah, it's fun. It's interesting. It's it's kind of like we can dip into her life, even though, of course, we can't. But, you know, she used to live in Toronto. Mm -hmm. So when her house went, she didn't own it. She rented it. And yet it was covered when it was sold. Yes. The house she rented was covered. And I have to I have to read all this. And when I watch Suits huh. and I watch her like being romantic, I'm thinking, I wonder if she's like that with Prince Harry. One of the many things I admire about you is that you have no pretensions. <laughs> no shame. No pretensions. <laughs> People are interested. I, I've probably read a few of these. Duly noted. Duly noted, Jan Wong. I have one. Now I feel, uh, okay, so I have one. Uh, <laughs> I feel shame that it is not more more trivial. Or maybe it is. I don't know. <laughs> I'm so confused. You know what this is? Is This thing came on my radar months ago, and I, and I haven't talked about it, and it raises some questions. So essentially, we work with community and campus radio stations. We offer them Canada Land for free. And one of the stations that plays Canada Land for free every week is CIUT, which is one of the biggest campus radio stations in Canada here, the University of Toronto. And I was told by the people who make a show called The Vibe Collective and Indigenous Waves that they were censored, that they were thrown off the air by CIUT management for saying things that were very similar to things that I've said on oh, Canada Land. And but Canada you Land, have white privilege. No, but maybe it's my, no that, that, that I think is a suggestion is like, why can, I don't know. I think that that's, oh, that's one of the questions that is raised. And the thing is, I, I asked the guy who runs CIUT, while we get specific about this, I think that the main comment in question is that in, in relation to the Gerald Stanley case, I called Gerald Stanley the killer of Colton Bushy, which I think is just a simple statement of fact. And Jamey DaCosta, who hosts the Vibe Collective or hosted the Vibe Collective and in Indigenous Waves, also called him a killer. And uh, that apparently got the show thrown off the air. Wow. And so the question of why I could say that on CIUT's airwaves um, might be because of white privilege, or it might be that the content that, that is actually like done in-house there with the person sitting in the booth speaking might be noticed more by management than the tape, than the file that they get from us that they just hit play on. No, it's very interesting. It's interesting because we had a similar situation at my university. Yeah. We have a student newspaper called the Aquinian and I didn't get involved because it's independent. So they don't really want any professors going near them. But I did hear that an indigenous uh, student wanted to get the beat covering indigenous and they said no uh -huh. they said it's a conflict of interest and so the students wait came... it's a conflict of interest for an indigenous person to cover indigenous <laughs> exactly. issues exactly so it's ridiculous somebody doesn't understand Claude. yeah they don't understand so people students variously came running to me to check with me and I said that's ridiculous that's like saying a woman can't write about you know feminist issues of course the person should be able to write about it but I think it's the same thing there's this kind of sense that maybe you have to be objective and if you're involved you can't be objective but it seems to only affect indigenous people. I don't know. Uh, I don't know the specifics of this because I know one side of the story. I haven't okay. heard back from CIUT. But, okay. but, but, but uh, you know, it raised questions for us about, you know, both the conflict of interest because we actually have this relationship with CIUT. And we thought like, well, we can, you know, we try not to have partnerships with the media that we cover, you know. But in this case, I'm like, well, how much are we going to cover campus and community radio? Yeah. Turns out there's an opportunity. Oh, know, yeah. It'll, it'll this come is up. A, this is a good story. Yeah. And I think it's one worth airing. And, yeah, you only have one side. But I think it's definitely interesting. And as I pointed out, it's happening at my university. So 
you know, can't be the only places. For sure. And and it goes on beyond that. There were questions about it being, you know, uh, the host came to their computer and somebody had put a Jordan Peterson uh, oh, wallpaper on the computer with the slogan, fix yourself. So the, oh, these, these campus culture wars things are playing out at yeah. CIUT. Yeah. And I think there was a sense that, like, this is not a, a good place for, this should be, you know, campus radio has always been a place to air different points of view and diverse points of view and sometimes radical points of view. And that might not be happening at CIUT. So the answer to this question, and they'd be saying, when are you going to talk about this? Today, and, yeah. and we are interested. But if, you should have both of them on. Well, uh, yeah, let's see if we hear back from CIUT on yeah. it. Yeah, it would be very interesting to hear what each side says. Duly noted. What did we learn this week about the private life of Christine Moore? Oh, it was, I felt really sorry for her. Yeah. Um, and I don't hear anybody defending her and saying this is ridiculous. The media is interested in it because it's flipped, right? Gender-wise, it's been flipped. But what the Me Too movement is about, I think, is being overlooked. First of all, there's, I think, two aspects of Me Too. And one is that you, the superior, if there has to be a an aggressor who has power. You have to have power. So she's an MP and he's an Afghan vet. So they, they had sex and he's alleging he was coerced. She doesn't have any power over him. Your MP has no power over you. I just was in Ottawa for some dinner. I sat with an MP. He has no power over me. Mm -hmm. Absolutely zero. So that is gone. The second aspect of the Me Too movement is when you say no. If the person doesn't stop, then we have a problem. But he never said no. I tend to agree. And when I spoke about this the first time, I, I felt like this was a cynical manipulation of Me Too to dynamics by this Kirkland character. And the whole thing came about because Neil McDonald went on this fishing expedition. Mm -hmm. He'd heard the rumors and went to track them down. Right. And Kirkland, the vet in question, was rather upfront saying, you know, I'm coming forward not because I feel like I was victimized necessarily, but because she's in a glass house and she's a hypocrite. And it's actually difficult for me to kind of parse, you know, because you've heard similar things from women in other or in Me Too stories mm -hmm. who say it was my abuser's hypocrisy that made me come forward, mm -hmm. which is sort of a similar sentiment. But Kirkland also was saying, by the way, I wasn't really victimized, but I will press some of these buttons, one of which being, you know, to your point of, of whether or not there was a power imbalance. He said, yeah, there was, because I was emotional and I was testifying about being a vet and she was an MP. And so there was a power imbalance. Oh, do you feel like you were assaulted? No, I wasn't assaulted. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like that you did anything uh, against your will? No. And he's trying to walk this line. I don't uh, think there's a power imbalance. I, I feel like it's a bit of a stretch. And, I don't think there's a power imbalance. And, and I the think facts that's, of it are in contest now, right? The, yeah. She, she, she's saying, well, some of this is just simply not true. Yeah. The media has to be really careful when they report on stories like this. There has to be some control of one person over the other. And I don't see any control. He's a realtor. He's in another province and he's a realtor. And she's an MP. Yeah. I don't see how she's going to influence his business. I guess I could see him making a case that he was... <sighs> You know, in that, like, I'm in fragile. Ottawa, I'm fragile, this person's unauthority, not doesn't have authority over me, but does have authority. We're but getting really into very weak territory here. If you're emotionally fragile and you voluntarily have sex with somebody else, can you then go after that person and say, look, I was fragile? I, I think that's a problem. I Male did, and female, I think it's a problem. Yeah. I did feel terrible for her. Like, I felt like... I, I feel terrible for her. I think it's wrong, and nobody's speaking up on her behalf. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, one of these things that just makes me think, my God, to go into politics. You well, know. also the journalists. I mean, I don't think the journalist should have touched this story with a 10-foot pole. The yeah. editor, I get it. Like, you're all excited because you got somebody coming forward about an MP who already reported another MP. I get that. But some cooler head in the newsroom should have said, uh, no, doesn't meet the test. Well, again, the provenance of this is uh, really, really auspicious that Neil McDonald has this very strange status at CBC where he now functions as a weekly columnist. And as I pointed out last week, with one column a week and I think a salary somewhere between one hundred and sixty and one hundred eighty thousand dollars How do you know that? Call it an informed guess based on knowledge of CBC scale yeah. and other information okay. I've received. That is an unconfirmed okay. uh, estimate yeah, of Neil McDonald's salary. Yeah, let's that's but, not confirmed. Okay. But I do know that his output editorially is one column a week. Right. But he also, he's in a unique position because he also gets to do news, correct? No, not anymore. No? No. He's oh. been, that's the interesting thing. He is a reporter and I think that he can't help himself if he thinks he has a story. Yeah. He'll use his opinion column to break news and he's so mm. senior there that I don't know what kind of oversight he's getting. So Everyone this, needs oversight. This entered the news cycle through a very strange back door and yeah. then it became a news story that was reported as a news story after McDonald's. I uh, think it's a really bad story. I don't think it should have ever seen the light of day. And now there's a lawsuit. Has she actually filed? I should be careful. That's, no. it's the threat, I think she's the threat talked of about a, it. Of a yeah. defamation it's suit, not that as fast. I pointed out many times. <laughs> that's how you... That's, it, takes a, it takes time to file. That's like kind of how you say in public, I really mean it. Yeah. And then we'll see if like if you actually I'm not sure through. there's a basis because she's a public figure. Yeah. So uh, she may not be able to, but I would say that it's ridiculous and it's a stupid story and I wish her well. I don't know her from a hole in the wall, but this is absurd. Doug Ford's rally song, his campaign song, gets me pumped. What about you, Janet? <laughs> Not me. I pumped. No, nope, I just want to lie down and take a nap. Can I tell you a Twitter story? Yes. This is a little feature uh, that we're developing on Shortcuts called Jesse's Twitter Stories. Here's a story from the land of Twitter. This all played out on Tuesday over the course of like three hours tops. Somebody, a source, shared with me a tweet purportedly by Anne Ayotte, who is the Ontario Progressive Conservative Party Association president for the Northern Writing of Kuwetanung. This is Kenora, Northwestern Ontario region. She had been a staffer for Greg Rickford, who was a former cabinet minister and current PC candidate in Kenora Rainy River. And up until Tuesday, when this was shared with me, she was the campaign manager for Doug Ford's candidate, Clifford Bull, in Kenora Rainy River. And this tweet by Anne Ayotte was uh, as follows. Islamism is not a true religion. It is a fraud being perpetuated on the world. They must be eradicated. Otherwise, they will eradicate us. <laughs> okay. Um, so. And when was that tweet? What was the date of that Well, tweet? the screen grab did not have the date on okay. it. And I believe I've tracked it back. That was sort of before I could share this. I wanted to make sure it was a real tweet. And mm -hmm. so 
I went through and saw that she changed her Twitter handle, but that in fact was her former Twitter handle, the one that was used, mm -hmm. and, and the, the, it was in response to Tarek Fatah, the oh, Toronto yeah. Sun columnist. So obviously she was responding to something that he had said. I went through some of her old stuff to see if that is like uh, reasonable that she might have said something like that and, and tracked it back and got to a point where without absolute certainty, but with enough verification that it seemed, you know, and, and given who my source was and where this was coming from, I felt like this seems like this is legitimate. This is uh, verified to a point where I'm comfortable with. And furthermore, it had already been shared, screen grabbed mm -hmm. and shared, even though she had deleted it. So I just repeated that this does seem to be a Doug Ford campaign manager, of one of Doug Ford's uh, candidates, calling for the eradication, not of Islamism, the belief, or if you're saying Islamism as opposed to Islam, maybe you're trying to focus on radical jihad or something, but then she says they must be eradicated. So I, I pointed out, note here that she's calling for the eradication of a people. And yeah, not, I saw and, that. I saw your tweet. And within two hours, I believe it was just two hours later that the candidate, Clifford Bull, who's uh, running for office and is a hereditary chief in Kenora, he released a statement. I was surprised and disappointed to learn about a comment made on social media by an individual on my campaign team. A Upon review of the comment, we immediately decided to part ways with this individual. The Ontario PC party is a big tent that welcomes Ontarians of all faiths and backgrounds. There is no place for disrespectful or hateful comments in our party. I thought that was uh, the right response. But Good. So fast. So fast. And But okay, there's so much to get into here. The statement from Clifford Bull suggested to me the first time I read it that as soon as he found out about this horrible thing that Anna Yacht had said, he got rid of her. Right. Isn't that what happened? Well, let's let's look at the language here. I was surprised and disappointed to learn about a comment made on social media by an individual on my campaign team. That doesn't say when he learned about it. Okay. He but was surprised you, and disappointed. You assume just now. You would assume that, but there's plausible deniability. Upon review of the comment, not upon so learning of the comment. think about it. Upon review of the comment, we immediately decided. So immediate is there like, that suggests that this happened immediately, but it was only upon review of the comment that we immediately decided to part ways with this individual. That's contradictory. Well... It turns out, and this is funny because Anne Ayotte, in her defense, the tweet that I shared was real. There was no question that it was real. But she was saying it was taken out of context. This is unfair. Out of context? Let's eradicate them all? That well, there's a context? Context, it turns out, is no friend to Anna Yacht. Because when you actually get into the context of the tweet, it's worse than you might think. Like, I thought, like, maybe the Tarek Fatah thing was, like, something about radical violent jihad. And she was saying, eradicate Islamism. And maybe I misspoke. I didn't mean to say they. I meant to say, let's eradicate this belief system. In fact, Tarek, who's always looking for the worst transgressions of the most orthodox Muslims, he found one about uh, these pleasure marriages where you can pay to get married for an hour's so you can have sex with a prostitute. And he's on this campaign to just make Muslims look bad, it seems, every chance well, you can get. the West does that too. They just, it's called prostitution. I mean, you know. Yeah, you can't There's really. There's no red tape. <laughs> yeah, you don't, you don't have to go through the formality of the, of the pleasure marriage. Uh, so it was in response to a, a piece decrying a cultural manifestation of radical Islamic practice that she said, eradicate them all or they will eradicate us. And then you get into more context about Anne Ayotte and Press Progress went through her tweets and found, and you know, I, I had some sense of this too before I went public with what I had. If you want to cover your face, then do it at home. It's one of her tweets. Uh, when Tarek Fatah shared this list of commandments for Muslims, including stop being assholes, she said, hey, I'm just sharing what Tarek Fatah has posted, LOL. So what are you saying? You're saying that 
Cliff Bowles should have uh, got rid of her. He should have known better before she even got on his campaign. Well, I guess I'm saying a few things. I'm saying that she has consistently tweeted horrendously anti-Muslim mm-hmm. things, including like here. Here's one. MAGA Patriot Steve tweets the question, is Justin Trudeau not aware that the Muslims he's welcoming to Canada want to behead non-Muslims? To which Anna Yacht responded, wonder if he's aware? Bet on it. He foolishly believes that he and his family will be spared by their security detail. He will become the supreme leader of Canada, much like Putin elections. Soros told him so. Oh, my God. So that is this. Oh, my God. Like. Everything's in there. Yeah. And she is like got a career working with progressive Uh, conservatives of Ontario. So I don't find it necessarily credible that Clifford Bull had her as his campaign manager with no awareness really? uh, of her okay. positions. I, I think that that's possible, but okay. I believe that in his comment, he was very careful to leave room for yeah. anyone. You Plausible know, I, deniability. I've asked him since, well, when did you know about mm-hmm. these hateful comments of hers and, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, pending an answer on that? So I guess the first thing I'm saying is that like his statement that there's no room in the Ontario Progressive Conservative Party for these hateful comments needs to be dis- disambiguated because we, we know through this case and through the case of Andrew Lawton, Another Doug Ford candidate who has a history of misogynistic and, and Islamophobic comments, that there is room for people in Doug Ford's conservative movement to make these comments until those comments are discovered. Right. And Doug Ford himself said that, you know, we're going to take care of our own people first, which is like, what does that mean? He's, yeah. Am I one of his own people? He phoned me once. I got a robocall, invited me to the barbecue, but I don't think I'm one of his own people. I should have just showed up and said, me too? There's so much stuff going on in this story. And it does feel weird to somebody getting fired within, for me, essentially I shared a tweet and yeah. two hours later somebody got fired. Yeah. How do you feel? You feel good or you feel guilty? I think it's hard to feel like just pure good about yeah. it. And then I feel like, no, this is like, I guess I feel uncomfortable to the extent that like people uh, get angry with me for being on some sort of moral high horse. Like it's my job to say, this is not okay, people. And I don't think it's my job to say no, this is not okay. Disseminating information. I think, yeah, I think that's it. Is like the first job is just to say this is mm-hmm. like, look, it look. is. And then I guess what we do on this show is, is this okay? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, good. Like, no, I'm glad you did that. Like, you it's like when that, that cartoon of you was published in Le Devoir. Yeah. You know, it's this question we're constantly trying to, like, what is okay? Is that okay? You mean the racist cartoon where they have me holding up boxes of takeout Chinese food going cat, rat, or Quebecois? Yeah, yeah and, and, and where you're depicted in a classically, I think... Chinese thing. Yeah. Chopsticks. But, you know, what is what is okay, like 50 years ago, that mm-hmm. would have been perfectly okay. Mm-hmm. And then maybe some things when it comes to caricatures of racial stereotypes are okay in Quebec has nothing aren't to okay do. in the rest the of Canada. The thing is, if my race had anything to do with that story of the school shooting in Quebec, that would have been legit. It had nothing to do with it, so it's you can't go there. You can't go after somebody's race or religion if it's irrelevant to the story. Stuff gets kind of like... In certain cultural contexts, it's acceptable until you like you take that cartoon and you publish it to the rest of Canada and you say, well, is this okay?" Yeah. You know, so what I'm noticing in this campaign is that what didn't happen in the last federal election, which is like rigorous vetting of the candidates, social media histories and people involved, campaign managers, let's say, uh, where you had people like Robert Jago doing that work and then finding candidate after candidate with problems in their yeah. in their past. We don't have the resources to do that for every candidate. So I'm bringing this up for a couple of reasons, one of which is, hey, if other people out there, and we'll do our best with it, but if, but if people out there are finding these things for any of the parties, because I don't think that the media is vetting the NDP. The NDP no, now course. has a shot. Have those candidates been properly vetted? That's uh, the great thing about social media is that it's it all comes out yeah. and it's very hard for anyone to hide. Even, I mean, the media doesn't have enough people working right now. It's really hard, but luckily 
you know, the people out there all hear things and know things and all you have to do is post it and it goes viral. And I think that's great. Yeah, it's sort of happening in, in counterbalance to the fact that the media has less resources than ever That's to do right. that work ourselves, but the public can help us out. That's right. And there was somebody, and I don't know how much she wants her name spread, but who was tracking Anna Yacht's breadcrumbs. Great. And that's how it kind of came to me. Great. So these sort of like citizen sleuths yeah. are, are necessary, and we want to hear from them. Yeah, it's wonderful. Jen, that is Canada Land Shortcuts for this week. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Everybody, you can email me about it at jesse at canadalandshow.com. I read everything you send me. We are on Twitter at CanadaLand. Jen Wong, where can people find you? Oh, at jenwong.ca. What's your book called? My newest book is called Apron Strings, Navigating Food and Family in France, Italy, and China. It's about food. Our website is canadalandshow.com. We publish original journalism there all the time. Check it out. Our crowdfunding site is patreon.com slash canadaland. This episode was produced by David Crosby. Kevin Sexton is the managing editor here at Canada Land. Syndication is by CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria. They make the show available to campus and community radio stations across this country. You can visit them online at cfuv.ca. And if you like what we do, please support us on Patreon. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada land and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures. And it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support Canada Land. We need you to. And so for this month and this month only, you can become a Canada Land supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com slash join. And thank you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.